You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Studio. At the bottom of the hour, Raptors analyst on Sportsnet, Alvin Williams, will join us. Talk about that big Raptors win in Detroit last night. Felt like a home game for Toronto. I'm looking forward to talking to Big Al. That was a uh, long losing streak against Dwayne Casey's Pistons. <laughs> Look at you with your basketball knowledge. How many games was it? Six. Look at you. I read the stat pack. You did. Neener, neener, neener. Great job. I, okay, that's a little gratuitous. Great job. Uh, who does a great job on Sportsnet all the time. That's this transition. guy reads yeah. his stat packs. He does. Uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to David Amber, Monday night hockey host on Sportsnet. David, how are you, pal? George, Matt, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. Um, the broadcast is pretty neat. Um, give me more stats. Uh, I think I think we should be doing this a lot more. I think it should be more of a, a regular on the, on the Saturday night, the hockey night in Canada. I, I love what we're doing here, David. I think it just adds to, to just how incredible these athletes are, how fast they skate, how hard they shoot the puck, how long they're on the ice. All this stuff is awesome, and we need more of it, damn it, David. That wasn't really a question. It was a statement. <laughs> yeah, and it's a fair statement. I think people want a lot of information. I think we're sort of in that stage now where they want sort of the value added. And if you can give us a bit of context, you know, a guy skates in that we see McDavid, you know, rush up the ice and it's like, wow, he's going really quickly. Well, we could tell you exactly how quickly he's going. And you see Alexander Ovechkin in his office with a one timer. Wow, that puck went fast. Yeah, we could tell you exactly how fast it went. So I think the more information, the better. It's just a, another opportunity, and we, you know, and maybe what got this ball rolling a little bit was the Manning cast with Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just the opportunity to have a second, different screening experience. So for us, we're the traditional broadcast on Monday night. I'm with Anson Carter and Keith Yandel and Cassie Campbell Pascal, and and we're providing you all sorts of analysis. We're having fun and doing lots of sort of debate and conversation based um, segments, which is fun and, and light. And if you want that extra value added of, of getting all the stats on the different players while the game's going on, there's a second screen experience you can use as well on Monday night. So we're trying to just give uh, as many options as possible. We have such a great volume of hockey games. We might as well give you guys different ways you can watch the game and enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm sure that you all have these numbers available to you during the broadcast as well. Is there maybe anything that the three former players or yourself kind of stands out in these new stats that we're now tracking and making presentable to fans? Um, That's a good question. I have to have the analysts sort of speak for themselves. I I think, you know, it's funny, like Keith Handel's just retired, you know, he just came off the ice a few months ago and you rarely get someone coming straight out of of retirement into the broadcast uh, studio uh, show. So we're really lucky to have that. And I think what, we're hoping with Keith and what we've been doing with Keith is he has so many great stories from being with these guys playing against these guys. So Jonathan Huberto scores a goal last night and Keith Yandel goes, well, I'll take credit for that. And I go, why are you taking credit for it? He goes, well, you see that, uh, how we spray paint a stick. I'm like, yeah. And then we kind of do a close up. We look in on his stick. He goes, yeah, that was my idea. He was slumping. He hadn't had any points in two or three games. This was back when they played together in Florida. Hmm. And he saw that I was, I was on a bit of a heater and I was spray painting my stick. 
So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll spray paint my stick and uh, just to try and get out of the funk. And that night he had four points, and he's done it ever since then. So little stories like that, sort mm-hmm. of inside baseball, you know, inside the velvet rope type stuff, we find so interesting. And I think there's great value in that. And, and Anson, you know, has great stories, and Cassie as well. And last night, guys, was particularly interesting because, you know, we had this great Hall of Fame class, one of the most beloved Hall of Fame induction classes, really, especially for Canadian hockey fans with with the you know the, the four main players they're having played on canadian based teams for so long um and these guys had great stories you know they had so many fun stories about um you know their times together and cassie as well in the olympics you know she obviously was kind of shoulder to shoulder with roberto luongo and and you know saw the sedine twins and alfredson there in those settings as well so they had some great stories to share and i think that's sort of our goal the analytical number stuff um is always there as well but I'd say it's more about getting sort of the inside baseball stories from mm-hmm. from our panelists and kind of bringing the viewers a little bit inside the, the dressing room as much as possible. Uh, David, what's been your read so far on this year's edition of the Calgary Flames? Well, kind of like many teams in the league, they're a real enigma, right? They got off to that great start. And it was in one small, I don't want to overstate it, but that one small innocuous play where uh, an oiler dumped the puck in hard, rimmed around the, the glass, uh, around the boards and Markstrom sort of misplayed it on a Saturday night hockey night game, um, Calgary Edmonton and McDavid tied it up in the third period. And then they scored, I think Zach Hyman scored a minute later and that sent Calgary into that seven game tailspin. So it's funny how a small little play, they were seemingly on their way to a six, you know, win to, to improve to six and one. And, and next thing you know, they had a losing record uh, two weeks later. So um, I think they're still feeling each other out. I think last night was a really good sign because they got, you know, contributions from every line. Uh, they had their best offensive output of the season. And they want guys like Huberto and like Lindholm to start feeling really comfortable and confident with what they're doing. Uh, I think they're going to need better overall goaltending from Markstrom. Um, we know he's a stud. And when he plays like a stud, it takes a bit of the pressure off the team to go out and have to score four or five goals in a game. So um, I still think Calgary's a very good team. I still, you know, I have them as one of the top teams in the West and I picked them in the preseason to get to the final. So I'm going to stick to all that right now, (laughs) but, um, but like other teams we've seen, you know, you can go up and down the standings and you see like, wow, this team I thought was going to do really well. And they haven't sort of lit it up just yet. So I think Calgary's finding itself much like we see with other teams around the league. Well, and, and it's interesting because now they've won two games they are back above 500 as they start this six game road trip. But that seven-game losing streak, I think it surprised a lot of people because Daryl Sutter teams don't go on long losing streaks like that. The only one that was longer under a Daryl Sutter team was back in the 90s. What was maybe the most surprising thing for you over the course of those seven games where they were unable to capture a win and things looked awfully dreary before they kind of started to turn it around? Well, what surprised me most was blowing leads. In five of those seven games, I believe, they had at least a one-goal lead. And that's, that, to me, is what's surprising. Because usually, and we even saw it last night, let's face facts, if there wasn't an incredible save by Markstrom with 21 seconds left, robbing uh, Kopitar, that, we were heading to overtime. And who the heck knows what, how that would have played out, right? So no lead is safe this year. There's been um, the most number of comebacks through this amount of games in NHL history. So this isn't a Calgary Flame thing by any means. We see no lead is particularly safe. But what did surprise me is good teams. You know, I look at Calgary, I look at Colorado, you look at Vegas, 
these are the teams that usually can hold leads. So to know that during that seven-game losing streak, Calgary, you know, five times, you know, at some point in the game had a lead, and instead of, you know, maybe building on that lead, like we saw a great second period last night by Calgary where they had a 4-2 lead after one, and then they added to that in the second period because they just went on the attack. And in the third period, they went into sort of the prevent defense mode, and we all know that never, you know, that's never a great idea to sit back and sort of hope the other team doesn't start pressing you. And um, so that, that to me struck me most in that seven-game losing streak, but the fact that they maybe protected leads and they didn't really push, um, you know, be the aggressor as they need to do. And, and when you are the aggressor and you kind of push that lead and you still push the, the pace of play and everything, it often works out in your favor as it did in the second period last night. So that, that was one thing that struck me. David Amber, Monday Night Hockey Night host on Sportsnet, joining us in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Wrestling and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, David, I don't know if this is a prisoner of the moment question, but in your time covering the NHL, uh, maybe it's this season where so many coaches are under fire here in this in, in this country. The Sheldon Key fiasco in Toronto when they had that awful Western road trip. Is he going to get fired? Is Barry Trotz going to be the next coach? DJ Smith feeling the heat in Ottawa. Uh, the front office of the Canucks criticizing Bruce Boudreaux. Question marks here in Calgary with the seven-game losing streak, and as the team, as Daryl Sutter lost the team, have you have you been around the game where there's these many question marks around Canadian coaches this so damn early in the season? It is strange, isn't it, George? But it just speaks to this whole notion of, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's it's a results-oriented business there's more pressure now on coaches than there probably ever has been i mean think about it at the start of this year we had 10 new head coaches 10 so literally from from may till now there's been a you know a 30 whatever percent turnover uh, on the coaching ranks and you know 27 coaches um you know have been with their teams for four years or less I mean, there just is no such thing as loyalty. And that whole notion of coaches are hired to be fired, it seemed like sort of one of those funny sayings, but maybe that's really how it is. They always feel, well, if, if your voice isn't working, a new voice is going to come in. And that whole saying, it's easier to get rid of one coach than 20 players. And here's the thing. It's almost, it's almost been validated in the sense that in 2000 and, and, uh, was it 2016, uh, Mike Sullivan takes over Pittsburgh midseason. They win the cup. 2019, Craig Berube takes over St. Louis midseason in last place in the NHL, and they go and they win the cup. So we've seen these instant successes. We've seen these sort of snap judgment. All right, we got to get a new guy in here, and they bring the new person in, and there is that that new head coach bump. And we saw last year with Bruce Boudreaux. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but had there been another week in the regular season, Vancouver might have had an incredible comeback as well. So. I think we're seeing that there's just pressure because there's a feeling like if your voice isn't working, if it's not resonating, if you're not motivating the guys, we can find someone else who can. And that's sort of the quick fix that some teams look for. So I've never seen it as crazy as it is right now, but that's sort of the sign of the times of, of where we are, you know, maybe as a society and certainly in sports where it's just, if it's not working, we're going to fix it right away. And we're looking for a quick fix. It's interesting because we see this kind of trend across the Canadian teams in the NHL. In the offseason, we also saw two Canadian teams make a lot of changes and hope to get better with the Flames and the Senators. Pierre Dorian went as far to say the rebuild is over. We're into the next phase now, and they're 5-9-1, second last in the Eastern Conference as we enter today's action. What has gone wrong for the Senators to start this year? 
Well, that's a great question. And I would say one thing is their blue line, and we knew that was probably going to be their weakness. I mean, when you look at the moves they made, they brought in Claude Giroux, which is great. They brought in Debrinkit, which is great. They brought in Cam Talbot, who's been injured for much of the year. But, um, you know, their blue line is still their blue line. And then you take Thomas Shabbat off of that blue line. He's out with a concussion right now. And they waived Zaitsev. And if you look at the guys they ran out there last night, you know, in three years, that might be a very formidable group of defensemen. But it's asking a lot for, you know, Jake Sanderson to play 25 minutes like he did last night, right, as a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old. It's just they're asking a lot of young players to maybe play slotted above you know, where they need to be. And, and last night you had a lot of that. I mean, you just, you had Brandstrom out there, you had Sanderson out there. Um, you know, yes, you had Travis Hamanick and, and Nick Holden. Yes, you had some guys with some experience, but also you had guys maybe slotted up a little further than they, they should be. So the, the blue line is thin. I'm wondering if they're getting to a point where they have this, you know, embarrassment of riches up front when, you know, you look at the Bathersons, Norris's, and I know Norris is hurt, but uh, Pinto and, and, and Stutzla and Kachuk, et cetera. They have this embarrassment of riches up front and they have a very thin blue line. So maybe they need to find a match. Maybe Pierre Dorian's next big work is to, to move one of these quality forwards and get back a, a legitimate top three, top four defenseman and, and have some more balance on that team. Cause right now it's just not working for Ottawa. It's a tough loss yesterday, but pretty cool to see Daniel Alfredson honored uh, in front of all of the fans and, uh, especially given kind of how that relationship had gone over the years and to see it back where it is now. Um, what what do you remember from Daniel Alfredson's time in the NHL? Oh, man. Well, I remember he was a fierce competitor, and I, I don't think he always maybe got credit as, as being as fierce a competitor as he was because he had that sort of smile and smirk on his face. But I remember those Ottawa versus Toronto playoff series, and he was getting so angry. And Toronto had their, their number. It was, it was funny to think of that because, the Leafs haven't had anyone's number in the playoffs for, for a number of years. But Alfredson was on those teams that, you know, were so talented, so good, and, and were the favorite often going into those Battle of Ontario playoff series against the Leafs. And somehow the Leafs found a way to pull out those series. Um, and then finally him breaking through in 2007 and getting to that Stanley Cup final. I know they lost to Brian Burke's great Anaheim Ducks team. But, you know, Alfredson, I think that feeling of, of helping send them to the Stanley Cup final. I believe he had the game-winning goal in the, in the East final. Um, you know, he was just a great player. And think about how many incredible players have come out of Sweden. And Alfredson is the second-highest-scoring Swede of all time, more than the Sedins, more mm-hmm. than Forsberg, more than Thomas Gredin and some of these other incredible Swedish players. You know, only Matt Sundin has more points than Daniel Alfredson. So it's an incredible legacy. He was so good for so long, and um, and it is nice. And I think your point off the top is a really good point. Like, it's great that that relationship seems to have righted itself um, with the Senators. You know, yesterday they, they moved the game up to 530 Eastern so that the fans could actually enjoy his induction ceremony after the game. They played it on the Jumbotron at the rink. Um, and, you know, the fans were chanting, Alfie, Alfie. Like, that's, that's just a great story. And, you know, hopefully moving forward, he'll have a, a bigger role with the team, and he can kind of, you know, it sounds like they've made up, and, and he wants to be part of that. He lives in Ottawa full year. A lot of the Swedish players go back to Sweden when their careers are done, but Alfredson stayed in Ottawa and made a point in his speech last night to say how much the community has meant to him and his wife and his family. So I think it's fantastic, and, and there's a guy that you just – 
it took a few years for him to get into the hall, but now that he's there, it just seems like obviously it's the right place for him. Uh, David, up the road here uh, in Calgary, the Edmonton Oilers, maybe some issues in net. Stuart Skinner's been fantastic. Jack Campbell mm-hmm. not living up to that big contract extension. Is that a storyline you're going to keep your eye on here that I know they, they, they think Jack Campbell is going to be their answering goal, but this kid Skinner playing fantastic, had that huge 40 save performance Saturday in Florida to beat a very good Panthers team, do you think this is going to be something that might morph into a, a goalie controversy in Edmonton as a season wears along? Yeah, I mean, it's a storyline that we're going to continue to watch. There's just so much offensive talent on that team um, that there is a microscope on the goaltending. And we saw that last year. As good as, as Koskinen and, and really Mike Smith were at times, there was a lot of scrutiny put on the two of them. And, you know, when push came to shove against Colorado, uh, you know, people were kind of pointing the finger. Well, what's when? No, Ken Holland going to figure this out and get, uh, you know, a legitimate number one goalie there that can take them, you know, to the Stanley Cup final. And Jack Campbell, who had an incredible first half of last season and struggled a bit down the stretch, was supposed to be that guy. But right now, as you said, um, you know, Stuart Skinner has been exceptional. And they have looked at him as the goalie of the future. But when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl in their prime, the future is now. So I think this is going to be something to definitely keep an eye on. And, you know, Jack Campbell is such a good guy. He works so hard. He puts so much pressure on himself, almost maybe to a fault, um, that when things don't go well, you know, sometimes they snowball a little bit with him. And right now it's been a struggle, right? And uh, I, I do think that's something to keep an eye on. And I do think the hope is for Edmonton that Jack Campbell can write himself and he can be their sort of 1A but the fact that Stuart Skinner's playing the way he is, I think that gives them some sense of confidence and, and calm, knowing that, hey, if Jack Campbell is struggling, we have another guy who, if he's going to end up being slotted in as our as our top guy, is something we can live with. So, which is funny because you never would have thought that, right? Because he had, right. just had twelve, right. sorry, thirteen career starts coming into this season. Jack, um, Stuart Skinner, they they certainly weren't hoping to have to run with a young guy like that, but so far uh, he's lived up to it and more. Uh, should be super interesting. David Amber, Monday night hockey host on Sportsnet. David, great stuff. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, congrats on the show, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, David. Uh, there he goes, David Amber on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive North. East. Uh, we've been taking text all morning on your Calgary Flames victory song that we should lead off our show with on the day after a Flames win. Uh, I think we're going to compile the list. We'll we'll do the poll tomorrow. Yeah, we oh. have to we have to get we have to f- whittle it down. Yeah, uh, you big and, pool. You, you and, can only do four options on a poll. Yeah, you and producer Patrick Dumas will will have a poll question out tomorrow with the four songs, and then we'll get you the listeners to vote on it, and then. Hopefully Friday morning, if the Flames kick off their six-game roadie in Tampa with a win, we'll play to kick off our show. Yeah, I I think we'll be playing it on Friday for sure. Look at you. Yeah, maybe like we'll mix confidence. up some some genres. We'll we'll get a few different options out there for you, and uh, have your say. Um, follow is, us all on Twitter. Is Markstrom playing that game on Thursday? Yes, because it's Tampa. Because it's Tampa and because it's been three days off. Right? Yep. So you go to your starter. Because if not, it's like 
I, I don't see a lot of times that this Flames are going to be like, oh, a week off for Jacob Markstrom just because of the way the schedule is. Like, yeah. I, I think that if these games had been kind of one day off, one day on, one day off, one day on, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they've got the Lightning on Thursday. They don't have any back-to-backs coming up on the start of this trip, but they'll be later. So eventually they'll get there. Yeah, um, and I think this is an advantage because, you know, I love to rip on the NHL schedule and what a fiasco it is. But uh, this is an advantage for Calgary based on this. They're going to get rid of their pretty much their eastern road trips. They went out east and then came back home and back out east. Yeah. like After this, they'll be done nine of the eastern conference teams. Yeah. Like it's, you know, Thursday in Tampa, Saturday in Florida, Monday in Philadelphia, Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Friday in Washington. And that's a noon start. And then Saturday against... uh, Yeah, so they got the back-to-back. And then Friday against the Hurricanes, I believe. So that's the back-to-back and a couple of weird times. A noon start and a 2 o'clock start with it being American Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. uh, On the 24th. And the second day of this NHL season where there will be no NHL games. Yes. On that Thursday because you got football, football, football. Um, You mentioned that Thursday, uh, the 24th. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's... uh, that's sports porn for this guy. Yeah, that day. you've mentioned that a couple of times. Uh, that's going to be like probably the greatest sports day ever for this guy. Because um, you've got the Wranglers and the Firebirds at 7 o'clock. You're right. I'm going to be all over the, that game like yeah. a dirty shirt. And you got the Davis Cup Finals. I'm going to be watching that too, especially uh, the first two singles matches. It's definitely not the three football games and your World Cup team playing. that. Yeah, that's Serbia. You, so uh, you got the three football games: Bills and Lions, mm-hmm. uh, Giants, Cowboys. Yep. Patriots, Vikings. Yep. And then uh, Serbia plays Brazil to kick off their World Cup campaign on that Thursday. That's the noon start too. Sports here in Calgary. Porn. Sports porn for this guy. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy uh, for I'm you. Re- I'm looking forward to it because uh, I am not here next week. I'm going home for the week. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be here, here by myself. Well, I don't know who you're doing the show with. Me neither. We'll figure it out. Um, maybe maybe Patrick Dumont's going to sit in. Maybe we'll do open auditions tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Just that I'll get Wally pipped. And I'm like, hey, don't don't bother flying back, Rustic. Wally pipped. Don't bother Oof. flying back. We'll just just we'll just send your stuff back over to Ontario for you. All yeah. right, thanks. 100%. That'd be thanks. great, right? Thanks, uh, gents. I'll do that. So, yeah, I'm not here next week. So, Thursday, that's uh, going to be awesome. And uh, I've already told my brother, like, my nephew's like, well, I got to go to some school thing. I'm like, cancel it. I go, just get your dad to write you a note that you're not allowed to go to school that day. Yeah. Because you got to watch the match. Sure, you can find it. Yeah, like, who cares whatever you're doing in school? It's one day. It's like, it's high school. Who cares? Who cares? What are you learning about? Serbia, Brazil at the World Cup is way more important. Chemistry? Like physics? When are you going to use that in real life? Yeah. Canada plays Belgium on the Wednesday, so I'm super pumped to watch that match, too. Yeah. Calculus? What's that? Calculator. How about that? You don't need any of that stuff. No, it's pish posh. What is school? Alvin Williams. uh, Going to take us to school on the Toronto Raptors straight ahead. Yeah, stay in school. Um, Talk about that win in Detroit last night, even though uh, they had nobody playing for them. Uh, And we got to get Alvin's take on the Eagles losing to the Washington Commies last night. The what? Oh, uh, the, the comrades. Yeah, the comrades. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll get Alvin's take because they love the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. They must be sour about the face mask call and the uh, unnecessary roughness on Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is 
Just, He's plucky. Yeah, good for Don't him. Don't disparage the good name yeah. of Taylor Heineke yeah, yeah, on this program. Yeah, yeah. What an elite quarterback. Uh, one more segment to go. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems Studio. Serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The end of the show, we'll wrap up the poll question. Which Jacob Markstrom say was more impressive? Last night against the Kings or Saturday night against the Jets? At George Russick on Twitter, at Matt Rose, YYC. But last night, the Raptors finally picked up a win against Dwayne Casey and those Pistons in Detroit. To talk about those Toronto Raptors, Raptors analyst, former Raptors, an analyst on sports and the Atlas Pizza in Sportsbook. I guess hotline. We say good morning to Alvin Williams. Alvin, how are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, that atmosphere last night in Detroit, did it kind of feel like a home game for the Raptors? Because, man, Raptors fans can travel. <laughs> not, not quite a home game, but it was definitely a neutral crowd. It was a neutral <laughs> crowd, especially at the end, man. I'm like, I'm listening to Let's Go Raptors. And it probably was more Raptor fans you know, by like 100 to 200 than it was Pistons fans. Uh, we know heading into that game, uh, and the guys talked about it post-game after they picked up that 115-111 win, uh, that Dwayne Casey had their number. Uh, Raptors were 0-6 against the Pistons. Is that something as a former player you were aware of? Did you guys even care about those types of stats, or you were so focused game in, game out, you don't really realize that a team has your number like the Pistons had against the Raptors? Well, I mean, if, if you're with that team for that long of a time where you play them, you know, six or seven times while you're with the team. And you, you definitely keep track of, you know, this team always kicks our butt. Or if you're an individual and you have tough games against certain people or certain matchups or certain teams or certain defenses, you definitely have that in your mind. But it's so many games in the NBA. It's just like you just in the moment. So it's not something you really prepare for or, or get set up for, but you definitely are aware of, when you struggle against certain teams. We saw Pascal Siakam miss this game, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. Who has been impressing you while they've been missing some of their top players? Oh, man. Last night, of course, Delano Banton, he he played really well. Um, Just, you know, Thaddeus Young bringing his veteran leadership and just being calm and efficient with his playmaking. Um. OG, of course, on both sides of the basketball. But Delano Banton against the Pacers and against the Pistons last night was really good. And, you know, he struggled against OKC. Didn't look good at all, but he really bounced back and showed a lot. And also Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher's been playing lights out, really settling into his role that, you know, that he does. But he's scoring the basketball. Like his mid-range yesterday, I I made a joke saying, like, do we have DeMar DeRozan back on the team? Because his mid-range pull-up jump shots look pretty good, too. So I think overall you have guys getting opportunities, and they're playing well. Malachi Flynn, you know, he played well against the Pistons in the first half as well. And yesterday, and then even Dalton Jr. got in the game, and he did some really good stuff, man, like guarding the ball and making big plays at the end. So, you know, when you have guys out like Pascal and Fred and Precious and and player now, Gary Trent Jr., it has to be the next man up. And a lot of guys really stepped up and did their thing. Uh, I 
love Scotty Barnes, just the, the persona, the guy that he is. Where have you seen the biggest improvement year to year in his game? Um, I haven't. I haven't yet. I haven't seen. I've, I've seen a very good player. You know, he's a very good player. And the biggest thing is freshman. I'm a freshman. His, his rookie year, you know, you just don't know what to expect. And he exceeded expectations. And this year, He's solid, right? And it's hard to say. It's still early to see where exactly he's improved. But over the course of from last year, this year, you know, his opportunity to take three-point shots, his confidence in that, um, just with that. But overall, he's, he's so difficult to judge because he's an unselfish player and he impacts the game more than stats. He's a guy that can guard multiple players on the defensive end, but he was doing that his rookie year. So, of course, he's doing that now. Now he's a playmaker. He has the ball in his hands a little bit more, but he's still a great passer. He has a great feel for the game. He's not shooting as well. His percentages aren't as well as good as they were last year. But it's still early, and it's still that jump that young all young players have to make. There's certain phases in your career that you're going to come to, and then it's like that bridge you get over. And right now, from his first year to his second year, he's he's finding out what it's like to be game planned for. He's finding out what it's not like to get the whistle like you think you're going to get the whistle. So he has to get through those pieces, but he's still a hell of a basketball player. And when I say I haven't seen an improvement, it's not a knock. It's just right now it's that jump that you're, you're expecting that, that he's in the process of making now. Uh, Alvin, we saw OG Ananobi struggle in the first half with the shot and then bounces back with 19 points last night. As as a guy who played in the league, how tough is that to do when you're shooting cold in the first half? You come out of halftime and then you start making buckets. Is that something that wanes on your mind during the break? Like, how do you do that as a player where you're so cold in the first half and then able to bounce back in the second half and then hit some big shots? I think it depends on the individual, but someone like OG who's going to get his shot opportunities, he's going to get opportunity to make plays. You know, if you're if you're a player that you have limited opportunities to shoot the ball or you're playing off of someone else, then yeah, you want to be efficient as possible. You want to be you want to make everything count. But when you when you have the ball and you're going to be in the game, you have the minutes and you have the opportunities, you don't have time to think about it because it's always the next play. So OG is somebody I think his offense is flourishing because he's just a monster on defense. And it seems like to me, he's always been a good defensive player, but it seems like he's really honing in on playing defense. And I've, as a, as a, in my experiences, anytime I thought about playing defense more than I thought about offense, my offense just came naturally. Like I would get a steal, I would get a fast break or a shot would go in. And then next thing you know, you have a complete game, 12, 13 points and a couple steals. But OG's one of those guys that can get you 25 points, 30 points in those steals. So he's not going to think about missing shots. You know, when you get to this level, it's the reason why you are at this level. And a lot of times it's your confidence. So I don't think he's ever thinking about, you know, slumping because he can figure out how to get back involved in a game, whether it's from defense or another source of offense. We're going to see Dwayne Casey coach in his 1,000th career NBA game shortly. Uh, that was 997 just last night, Monday night. Um, what has been the key to the longevity of Dwayne Casey's career? Oh, man. <laughs> That that's somebody you have to ask the coach. The, the, the coaching game and the professional sports is something that I do not admire and I do not <laughs> envy. 
or wish to have that because one day you could be one year you could be coaching a year and you could get fired the next year and I've seen that multiple times and and I've seen people have the worst record ever in NBA history and then get a job the next year. So I don't I don't understand the culture of coaching, but what I would say is, you know, being involved and having a longevity is definitely about you have to be a good person because I don't mm-hmm. think organizations or other other leadership groups in the organization will want to be involved with that person and it's someone who's shown history that they can win. They can relate to players. They can adjust with the times. They can manage games. And, you know, they're, they're compatible when you're in a working environment. So I think all of those things come. And I, for me, I think Coach Casey is a very good coach. I mean, point blank, when it comes down to it, of course, you have to produce. So he's done that over the years. You know, he's 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 had very good basketball teams. And um, a championship doesn't always equate to making sure that you're you're a great coach because um, everyone's not going to win the championship. But I think there's a lot to go in with Coach Casey's longevity, and hopefully he can get the Pistons team turned around because they have some good pieces. And you can see the direction they're trying to go in with the youth movement, and they have a good coaching staff over there as well. So, But unfortunately, it's pro sports. So you can be here today, go on tomorrow, but he's done a very, very good job of making sure he's here you know, for, for a duration. Alvin Williams, Raptors analyst on Sportsnet, joining us here on the Alice Pete's and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Alvin, we, we saw the big hire in the NFL uh, last week where Jeff Saturday, uh, with zero coaching experience, uh, gets, a, gets a job with the Colts, obviously one of the greatest offensive linemen ever of all time, Colts legend, I get all of that. Can that still work in the NBA? We saw what happened with Steve Nash and the Nets didn't really work out ultimately. Do you need that experience or can you go right from a player straight to being a head coach in the league? Does that end up working for a team? Now, I think it depends on the on the person, right? It's, it's very, very hard. You're not just walking into a professional environment where you're one of the best, one of the best 30 coaches or whatever and just get in there right off the playing court or doing whatever you were doing and, and think you can go in there and command that locker room and manage a game and get your coaching staff in order. So it's a lot of a lot of pieces to it. You definitely need the support. You need a great coaching staff next to you, one that's gonna work their butts off for you and one that's gonna that you can trust. Um and then as a as a head coach, I think when it is in life, you gotta know when to follow a bit. You gotta know when to sit back and let others, you know, exercise their strengths. And they gotta have they gotta have some type of control as well from the front office. Front office gotta have they have to have the support from the front office when it comes to decision making and playing time and style of play. So it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a big time collaboration. But someone like Steve Nash, who's who was a wizard on the court, very intelligent, um, a great person. He didn't sign up for that that Nets mess over there. No, that, that was a big time. Yeah. So. You know, unfortunately for him, I'm surprised he probably didn't walk to the office and say, I'm, I'm out of here. So he probably fired himself. <laughs> but he he's someone, and those are the other things that come with it when it comes to coaching. What group do you have? Is it a winning group? Is it a youth group? And it's a developmental group? So there's so many phases that you have to hire the right coach for the right situation. But there are players that can step into it, but it has to be the right situation, and they have to have the right character and makeup but you definitely need that experience. You know, at some point you're going to get tested and you're going to get challenged. Uh, Alvin, I don't want you to name names or you can, if you want, but I don't want you to sell anybody out. Was there times in your career where you played for a coach and you were like, this guy really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, 
No, no. But you know, I I come from a different place. I come I came from you know having a bunch of coaches since I was eight years old, and I always had the underlining, you know, make above respect the coach. And I always mm-hmm. and the older I got, I always felt like as long as we all buy in, at some point some type of success will come. And I knew I didn't know a lot about the game. Like every coach that I had, I learned from, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Now, may I may not have agreed with the playing time they gave me or certain decisions that they made. But I never had that, like, this coach doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And I never really – because that would affect, I think, everything around. So I didn't have that. I know some players that, you know, they had a different understanding about the game and stuff like that that felt that way. But fortunately enough, I I didn't. I didn't. um, I may disagree with some coaches, but I definitely respected all the coaches and what they were trying to do. And I went out there as a player – to do whatever they asked me to do, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I never really had talent. Uh, Alvin, before I let you go, uh, you're from Philly. Uh, we know that. You played at Villanova. You're, you're Philadelphia through and through. And your time traveling around the NBA, are Philadelphia sports fan the most hardcore and toughest in all of North American professional sports? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I agree with you. Um, how are people yeah. dealing with that Eagles loss last night in Philadelphia today with those two blown calls by the referee? Well, I'm not since I'm in Toronto, I don't know, but I, I got my my phone's been ringing and texting and people <laughs> in the chain texting. And the, that's the worst thing about the Philly fans because they win eight, it's like they won a hundred in a row, and they lose one, it's like the world's come to an end. So I just can't. There's no balance, and it, it, and that's the most upsetting thing. So I truly, I don't know if you heard, I hate Philadelphia fans. And I, I don't like Philadelphia sports teams just because of the fans. So I, I don't have any love for anything on that side when it comes to sports. Okay, uh, I love it. Uh, Alvin, that's why Toronto fans uh, support their team, love their team, Raptors, Canada's team. Uh, Alvin Williams, Raptors analyst on Sportsnet. Alvin, thanks for listening. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Great stuff. Alvin Williams on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest hotline, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Love me some Alvin Williams. That was great. And talking about how, again, what a mature approach to coaching. Oh, yeah. I didn't know much about the game, so I was learning from my coaches and tried to, you know, as long as we're on the same page and we have the same goal, listen to your coaches. And that's something that I think carries over in a lot of different places. And listen, the question about Jeff Saturday is an intriguing one. You know, I was listening to, I don't know if it was 32 Thoughts of the Merrick show, but Friedman brought up, you know, Marty St. Louis, who did this with quite a bit of success last year. And obviously this season has been a little bit rough, but like there's two examples of longtime fan favorite players who retire, are away from the game for a cup of coffee, don't really have any pro coaching experience, really have only coached their kids. Yeah. And then step behind a pro bench and, and immediately have success. You know, in Jeff Saturday's case, it's it's one game. And Marty St. Louis, it was, you know, the back quarter of the season and things have been a little up and down this year. But overall, I think you got to be happy with what he's been able to get from that group in Montreal. Ask Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki what Martin St. Louis meant to them and that team. Exactly. Like, that, the problems with that team are not coming from the head coach. Yeah. Right? The problems with that team are... You have one of the best goalies ever who, out of what I would assume is a certain level of surprise, 
could not play for you for multiple seasons, and, and now you're kind of trying to patch things there. Shea Weber, another example of a guy who injuries gave cut his, his body career, for your team, cut his career shorter than you would have expected, and and now you're trying to patch two gigantic superstar sized holes in two of the most key positions. So yeah, I'm not surprised we're seeing that there. But it's it's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, because the Steve Nash one didn't work out and so well. I, I thought Al, I thought Alvin nailed it uh, right. Right, like it's it's the group he had in Brooklyn with that moron yeah. Kyrie Irving. Like, oh, it's a circus. Yeah, it is. It's an absolute circus with Kevin Durant too. Like, and but the stuff Kyrie Irving's pulled this year is just it's disgusting. And it, it's and despicable. It, and again, it's so many distractions. And then you go and, back to that news: Kevin Durant getting traded in the offseason. Yeah, he, he wants out. out or he wants, he wants Steve a Nash fired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure Steve Nash is like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm tapping out anyway. So, uh, yeah. We got some uh, housekeeping. We got some housekeeping, housekeeping. to do here. So, uh, we need more lemon pledge. Uh, <laughs> I missed a uh, towel. Um, I missed, uh, I missed doing, uh, soccer simplified for soccer simpletons. That's I, me. I missed this earlier. I'm the simpleton. Yeah. Uh, we missed it earlier. I'm the and then rude. Alex, our technical director, goes, Hey, the soccer simpleton thing. Alex, I told you, if I make a mistake, you call me out on it immediately. Don't be shy. Two way street. <laughs> yeah. Immediately call me out on it. We got we we did get tangled up in in the goal songs and we yeah were because it was fun that and 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 you you and Patrick Dumas are gonna com, uh, compile a list of four songs uh-huh. and we'll put it in a poll and we'll do it tomorrow yeah no problem and we'll play those songs tomorrow too but we missed out on soccer simpletons soccer simplified for soccer simpletons uh-huh. we're gonna do that now and then we'll wrap up the poll question and we'll say goodbye works for me let's hit it Alex. With the World Cup just around the corner, do you need some help understanding the beautiful game? Well, you're in luck. It's now time for Soccer Simplified for Soccer Simpletons with our resident footy expert, Tommy Wielden Jr. Oh, and our very own Soccer Simpleton, Matt Rose. I got another question for you. What is woodwork? Because I keep hearing about this and I look at the pitch and it's all grass and the posts are made out of metal and there's people there's no wood so what are we talking about here brilliant and that's 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 a great one because it is an anecdote that you know we even talk about it you know in our training sessions about you know you're hitting the woodwork and basically it's the frame of the goal back in geez when the game would have first started and and probably in the 86 world cup still um in mexico would have been wooden framed goals Mm. so if you hit the post or the crossbar it would you know people frame it as hit the woodwork and that terminology has just stuck around that if you hit the post or the crossbar it's hitting the woodwork even though now most of the uh most of the framework is aluminium i got another question on that too because the woodwork or the uh, the aluminium or the post whatever you Mm. want to call it they're very far apart so how does a goaltender know where to go and stop the shots? Because that feels like a fool's errand to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably a question better answered by Marco Carducci, but he's not here. So I guess for me, it's it's trying to read the body language, right? Trying to know your opponent. Where do they like to favor their shots? You know, where are they deadly from inside the box? And then just a lot of it is re- reaction skills and anticipation. There he goes. Hmm. Soccer simplified for soccer. Simpletons with our man Tommy Wilden Jr. He's going to join us in Studio Friday. We're to excited up the for World this. Cup. I am super excited. We're going to have a World Cup draw between the five of us. Uh, we'll, we'll take two teams. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a 
will pull out of a ping pong balls out of a hat FIFA style. Maybe I'll freeze one of the balls like a true fixed FIFA draw so I can get the number one pick. <laughs> but uh, we'll do Is that, that. How they do it? Yeah, well, yeah, hundred oh. percent. So many fixed draws in the past. Oh, I didn't know that the freeze was the way to do it. That's though. how you do it. Okay. Well, that's oh. allegedly what happened to the Knicks allegedly. and Patrick Ewing back yeah, in the day, of course. where the frozen envelope was the New York Knicks one. Uh, you just freeze the ball, and that's the one you pick. Very mm. simple. How to fix that draw. But uh, we're going to have a draw. We're going to each pick two teams and then have a super long shot. And then uh, we'll determine what the winner gets because the World Cup kicks off on Sunday. I know you're looking forward to this one. Uh, Qatar against Ecuador. Oh, sign me up for... Yeah. Qatar and Ecuador? Yeah. Is that what we said? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it'll be, yeah. It, yeah, it's going down at, um, uh, I believe, 8 a.m. Mountain time. I'm... Quite the little uh, pregame ceremony they got going on. Yeah. Oh, Shakira. Yeah. Uh She'll be there. Really? Yes. Really? Yeah, oh. She'll be doing a little... In Qatar? Yeah. I do, do like Shakira. Opening ceremony. Hips. Opening ceremony. Her great. hips definitely don't lie. Um, we want to wrap Is up... Is that allowed in Qatar? Yeah. Oh, well, that's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> she's probably going to be... She's going to probably be imprisoned after her performance. Oh, my goodness. Um, big comeback here, Maddie, uh, with a Jacob Marstrom save. Which one was more impressive? No All way. Of a sudden, Adam, no way. Saturday versus the Jets took over right at the end. 50.7. It's like a race in the United States for Senate. What? 50 points. Do we need a recount need like a, Herschel Walker in Georgia? Go, go into a runoff? Uh, no political talk. Uh, 50.7% Saturday versus the Jets took over right at the end. Look at that. Wow. Like I said, in a vacuum, the windmill, the windmill glove save, elite, the best. Put yep. it on a poster. Um, but given the situation, yep. that stop late in the game, You've already blown a lot of leads this year. You're already looking like you might do it again. Bail this team out. Big yeah, one. No question. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, where did the time go? Oh, man. Uh, flames off until Thursday where they kick off a six-game roadie in Tampa Bay against the Lightning. Um, what do we got on, on deck tomorrow? There's no Dave Dickinson because nope. the Flames are eliminated. I got some ideas. Uh, I'll probably chat with someone about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. Because that's Dave the Michigan? next opponent. Um, Can we reach out to Phil Esposito? I'm thinking Dave Randorf. <laughs> what about Phil Esposito? He's only got an email. <laughs> I've tried to book Espo before. Do we need to send him a telegram? Hard. Yeah, smoke can you come, Maybe. Can you come on our show? Stop. Send a in raven. In Calgary. Stop. Send a raven. Yeah, in Calgary. Oh, stop. Yeah, 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Stop. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, we'll talk no, about no, no, no. yeah. what a bad play. Yeah, we could have him on. What the heck was that? Yeah, and uh, we'll talk tons of flames. Two uh, we of gotta them. go. Donovan Bennett shows next. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye.